Searchers podcast. I am back, ladies and gentlemen, after a uh, short hiatus, but this time we are covering... Wait, who are you? A, What's your name? Who am I? Oh, it's been that long, hasn't it? <laughs> God. <laughs> All right, guys. It's Kevin, covering, guys. It's Kevin. Uh, yes, it, it's me, in case you he guys found forgot. Him. And I'm very... I'd be very... Very disappointed if you forgot me already. We stole him back. We got him, guys. <laughs> how could we? How could we forget you, good sir? We couldn't. Ah, uh, you guys are too kind. <laughs> but today, guys, we are covering a little classic film. Maybe not a classic to a lot of people because they just don't know good movies. But it is a classic film. Another one of many uh, all-time great collaborations between John Ford and John Wayne. And no, it is not what you think it is. It is not The Searchers, ladies and gentlemen. It is actually a 1963 film, one of their, uh, fi- well, actually the final collaboration between John Wayne and John Ford called Donovan's Reef. Now, for me, this is my very first time watching this film. However, this is a movie suggested by you, Ben, and both you and Chris have seen this movie before. So... Ben, what caused you, what what gave you the idea to make this the uh, next pick of the Searchers podcast? Um, well, actually, the reasoning was I was looking to do a John Ford film, and I just kind of looked through what you guys had seen, and I guess I failed at uh, looking at <laughs> Chris's profile because I thought he had not seen it, but uh, I, I realized you had not seen it, Kevin, so I picked it. Yeah. Um, one yeah. Be- one because of that, two because it's a in my mind it's one of the the best John Ford films that has been made, you know, really like it. Um it's kind of like movie comfort food for me. Um I've probably mm-hmm. I've probably seen it 30 or 40 times. I've owned it on Ooh. owned it on VHS, have the DVD uh once the Blu-ray is hopefully a Blu-ray is released, but once it is, I will be buying it. So I'll own it in all the mediums. Me too. But yeah, that's why I kind of picked it. I, I wanted to do a John Ford movie with you guys, and uh, I know you hadn't awesome. seen it, seen it, Kevin. And I, I really thought yeah. you, I thought you'd like it. So hopefully, oh, that is the case. I loved it. I really loved it. And Chris, th- this is a movie that I believe you said you grew up with, right? That's correct. I oh, have probably, yeah, no, I've. This is one of my mom's favorite movies. So yeah, nice. here's Chris's mom coming up in the fray again. <laughs> Just like chop and around the corner, playing some video, yes. playing some video games, nice. playing some video games. Yeah. So my mom, this is one of my mom's favorite movies. She she actually had a few favorite, has a few favorite John uh, Wayne favorites. This one, Chris's mom's <laughs> she likes McClintock and this and oh, I can't wait qui- to get to that one <laughs> and the quiet man. She's probably her favorite three. So literal base this one, the quiet this one, we, amazing. It, yes. Yes. And this one, I've probably seen this as many times as Ben, although the last time I, I watched this movie was, was easily 15 years ago. I think it's probably Hell yeah, about really long. bringing it back. Long time coming. There we go. Long time coming. And so most of my watches were, in my formative years and whoa that's great we're bringing you back bringing me back and there, there was quite a bit of this that i actually had forgotten so um Hell yeah. this was a good this was a good this was a good pick by ben to bring me back remind me about it and um see all the things that my mom loves about it so well oh, that's amazing it's one of my dad I, t- I was talking to my dad on the phone today uh he's doing something for one of his brothers and uh 
he's like, oh, what are you doing? I said, yeah, recording tonight an episode of the podcast because he's listened to the Big Country episode. He's like, oh, okay, cool. What are you watching? I'm like, Donovan's Reef. He's like, oh, it's a great movie. That's great. Um, so <laughs> our parents would get along. I mean, maybe my dad's, my mom and dad are divorced. Maybe yours are too. They could just, you know, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. I am not doing that. He's, but he's done. Oh, he's you're... done. He's done. <laughs> I can't, I can't handle him with uh, another woman. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's I love what, it. It's great. Yeah. This is hilarious. Oh, no. shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, keep going, Ben. Let's see it. I want to hear more. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of picked it because I, I, I knew you guys. Well, I knew Kevin. I know you hadn't seen it, and I thought Chris didn't, but yeah. it's even better he has, and he hasn't seen it in a while. Um, so I guess we'll start off before we get into any specifics of the movie. Chris, you grew up on it. What is kind of your... I mean, I had it on VHS, so my brothers and I would watch it all the time. But like, what's your like kind of backstory with this? Like, did you guys own it? Or did you just um, watch so, it a lot with your parents? Is, watched it a lot with my parents. This was one of the movies that my mom had recorded on VHS from from Turner Classic Movies, and she had a she had a collection of VHS tapes that were all blank. And then over the years, while TCM was on, we grew up with it on. She would record all her favorite movies whenever they popped up on TCM. So we ultimately had a collection of movies and this, this one on VHS was one of the ones that I, I would put on a normal rotation along with the secret life of Walter Mitty, the Brooklyn kid, which happened to be two Danny K movies. Nice. Um, well, a few, a few Abbott and Costello movies, um, the bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. So these were these were a handful that were always on VHS and we had a rotation of them. And like I said, my mom likes John Wayne. So this was one of the ones that we had recorded. And I my personal memories with this, I've I've always remembered the brawling, the fist fights. Hell yeah. How can you not? John Ford Staple. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Honestly, so, I think I, now that you yeah. brought that up, I think it's the only movie that he made where there's besides The Quiet Man where there's more than uh, two fights in, I was a, in say, a bar. Yeah. You so, would be the one yeah. to probably confirm that, but you, you're I think probably Ben's right. right. Yeah. 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 I mean, besides The uh, Quiet the Man. That, exactly. Of the ones that I've seen, The Quiet Man and this one. Oh, there's uh, a lot contained. of. Yeah, there's a lot of Irish uh, references in this movie. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous. That's amazing. Amount. Yeah. <laughs> also there's a little there's a little yes. reference to the uh, fictional irish town in the quiet man innisfree yeah uh, oh, right innisfree. when uh, yes yeah right when right when john wayne said that uh, i was like hey, hey hey it's a quiet man reference i know hey, where that's so from. <laughs> like back in the 60s directors were like self-referencing their own stuff which is pretty awesome because i you know it's great you think that's only like a 90s or more recent kind of thing like oh we're, like quentin tarantino like oh i'm referencing something from you know, whatever I did, like, oh, I'm so cool. But like people, you know, they've been doing that forever. So. Right. Yeah. And they did it a lot more slyly back in the day. I thought that was a good sly reference. Now it's sort of more so in your face kind of thing. Like, hey, you remember that? Remember yeah, that? Now? Yeah. yeah oh, oh, reference, it. reference, reference. Yeah. Now that's all movies are. That's all comic book movies usually are. Oh, reference. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Talking shit yeah. already. Uh, all right. <laughs> so. Uh, so Chris, you said bar fights. What else? Uh, what else from the movie is like? I remember the bar fights. I remember the oldest daughter, who 
is played by quick quick do i have my jack, shots ready jacqueline maloof yes maloof 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 jacqueline maloof lalani who is playing lalani dedham i remember her and i also remember dorothy lamore's character miss lafleu and you know what actually mm-hmm. and elizabeth allen too i remember i remember all the ladies and then and then john wayne of oh. course um i didn't remember lee marvin or jack warden what? oh really wow. yeah so when i saw them in the cast credits pop up because I, I didn't look at the cast again when ben picked the movie i just went into it what about what about caesar romero same thing i didn't well i think i started to remember him as i watched the movie because he's he's sort of an unforgettable in a way he's sort of unforgettable with how posh and out there he oh, is. oh his character is great mm-hmm. Yeah. So at first I didn't recall. And then as I watched, I think I started to remember him through all of his scenes with his assistant who John have to help me with that one. Mr. You uh, played by John Fong, which I don't think I don't think that that actor has many stuff past the 60s or 70s because I I don't even think he's got he's probably got an IMDb, but I don't even think he's got a Wikipedia or anything. So he's. He no, is on IMDb. Not, yeah. yeah. He uh, is on IMDb. That is correct. Which honestly, so, pretty based that John Ford cast a actual Chinese guy to play a Chinese person in a movie in 1963. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and didn't yellow face it as Kevin and I have already talked about in an earlier episode. Yeah. I think we've spoken <laughs> about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good you bring that up, though. I, I don't know if we want to hit this now, but the movie kind of touches upon. Hit it. It, it the movie touches upon that race theme a lot yes mm-hmm. ben a lot yeah uh, because all these characters are living in a paradise they're in a they're in their own little utopia on this south pacific island that's gorgeous haleakaloa yes mm-hmm. which means which means in hawaii well so yeah it's it's filmed in hawaii all the actors and extras all the extras that they use are like hawaiian but they're supposed to be french polynesian um, but Haleakaloa just means in Hawaiian um, home, laugh, and love, actually. so Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful name. Like yeah. I said, guys, it's, 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 it's cinema comfort food. Literally, that's what this movie is. <laughs> that's like, pretty much what it is. Did we want to get of, a little bit? In- yeah, it, it sort of reminded me of how, how Howard Hawks with... Rio Bravo. Yes. You know, it's, I, was, it's I very, had that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hang. It's I a, expected that it's a hangout, it's a hangout movie. film. Yeah, it's yeah, John. Exactly. It's John. It's John Ford's version of a hangout movie. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly right. Yeah. Did we want to get a little bit into the uh, synopsis just a little bit so they know yeah. uh, what this is about? Yes. So I'll, I'll read uh, the back of the. So I got the VHS in front of me, literally, and I had the DVD. <laughs> I think the DVD synopsis is a little bit more detailed and would give a little bit more uh it just gives a little bit more of a picture for the listeners so we don't have to go through the entire uh plot ourselves um right so it's acclaimed director john ford and screen legend john wayne team up for what would be their final collaboration in this boisterous rowdy south seas escapade the duke lee marvin and jack warden play world war ii navy buddies who have made the french polynesian island of haleakaloa their post-war paradise Local headquarters is Donovan's Reef, Wayne's rough-and-tumble watering hole, where bragging, brawling, and full-blown misbehavior are the order of the day. 
but destined to create more turmoil than any barroom fisticuffs is the sudden arrival of Elizabeth Allen, a straight-laced Boston blue blood. She's hoping to locate her long-estranged father, which who's played by Jack Warden, or uh, Doc Dedham, affirm that he is not of good moral character, and then assume control of the family's shipping dynasty back home in the States. Suave, debonair, Cesar Romero, and um, sarong-clad Dorothy L'Amour add to the laughs and mayhem in this tropical comedy treat. There you go. Yeah, that, that hits all the points, I think. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, the VHS one is m- much more brief with its synopsis, <laughs> which is uh, just, I think that's typical. The, the VHS I have is from 92, so uh, almost a good oh, year. Okay. One more year, it would have been great, right? Actually, I think, I guess, <laughs> I guess Chris, you were... Perfect uh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you old man. Um, uh, shucks. <laughs> but yeah, so... Chris and I have a lot of experience with this. So Kevin, putting you on the spot, what uh yeah. what is your initial, you know, sell this movie okay. to the to the listeners? Okay. So I didn't really know what I was in for. And usually when I watch a movie, I don't really care to read the syn people like to do that sometimes, or maybe a lot of the time. They like to read the synopsis before getting into a film. But with Donovan's Reeve, I had heard the name before. I know I knew it was John Wayne, I knew it was John Ford. But I didn't want to read anything before I got into it. So once I started playing the film, uh, you hear a little bit of the drum beat. And you're thinking, oh, okay, it sounds pretty serious. And then suddenly it breaks out into this very lighthearted Hawaiian theme. And that song is a theme that plays throughout the entire film. Opening, uh, middle, and ending. It's called Pearly Shells. And right when it started playing, I just had a big smile on my face. And I think that smile just lasted throughout the entire film. It is such. It, I love that song. Yeah, I love that song too. It's, and honestly, so that song is actually, if you want to, call back to one of our older episodes. It's been, it was covered by Burl Ives uh, in the sixties. So, are you kidding me? Really? Yeah, and it's the, oh, the, the original Hawaiian version is Pupu o Iwa, which, if you listen to the song during the movie, you can hear them singing that. Um, yeah, love that freaking song. And yeah, you're right. That song, man. I really, really. I, when it comes to John Ford, I mean, I, I, of course, look, our, the, the, the title of our podcast, The Searchers, I mean, we all love The Searchers. A lot of people do love that film. But with The Searchers, with films like that, or Ford Apache, or Young Mr. Lincoln, or even The Quiet Man, Ford usually has a sort of denseness in his films. For example, say Ford Apache, he has a mixed bag of thematic elements such as you know american idealism rugged individualism like the motive of continuing tradition for the next generation it's all mixed and it's it's so dense but when you get into something like donovan's reef it's kind of his way of sort of relaxing i felt it's a very Very relaxed it's yeah it's such a relaxed film it's not something that you typically see from john ford maybe the closest that you can come to would be uh, Three Godfathers, but that's more of an allegory to The Three Wise Men and the, t- the Nativity Story. But when you compare that film to other films, it's just not as dense. And Donovan's Reef is seriously the less... like it, it's, not, it's seriously just not as dense as what you're accustomed to seeing from John Ford. And I love that about this movie. Even then, even if it was so lackadaisical and lighthearted there still is something to uh, gain from it and i don't know i just had fun throughout the entire film 
I had fun with seeing Lee Marvin and John Wayne just throw fists at each other. I, you know, and we touched upon the idea of race being an, a factor here, but I also saw uh, this, more so this idea of, you know, with Elizabeth Allen's character, she's very prim, proper, and uptight. So when she gets to the island, she sort of realizes that, you know, there is a lot more to someone than meets the eye, specifically her father. And it's not only that, but, you know, she comes to the island seeking to basically ruin him, right? She comes to the island seeking to prove that he just was not of moral character. But when, she's fi when she finds her father on the island, suddenly she drops everything and regains the sort of love and innocence in her heart and she just runs over to hug him and sort of there's a, there's a theme of that, that kind of runs th I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about but there's a there, there's a theme of that that runs through the entire film it's not just rooted in her it's also rooted in John Wayne he needs to perceive that there's a lot more to a person than meets the eye and he thought that Elizabeth Allen's uh, character Amelia was you know and <laughs> just not this kind of the, 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 just not a woman who would meet him at his level or loosen up a bit. And I don't know, even through what is a very, very lighthearted movie from John Ford, there's still a lot of substance to gain within all of that. And it worked. I thought it just worked. I mean, <laughs> I don't know like wh wh how else to put it, but sort of threw me off in a way because it just was not was what I was expecting from John Ford. It's just maybe the happiest of his films, at least the ones that I've seen. I love it. And I think you're right. absolutely right when you said, I think you said something along the lines of this movie just kind of being lighthearted and fun. Mm-hmm. Well, the actors that were involved and a lot of the, I guess, movie or the film historians phrase it is this movie was John Ford's like fine. Like it was basically his vacation after like 40 years of working. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it, Lee Marvin in an interview literally said the way, like he didn't Ford wouldn't let him read the script and basically sold it to him. Like you, you want to spend two months in um, Hawaii, right? Filming a movie. And, yeah. and, and Lee, Lee Marvin's like, yeah. He's like, you want your, your you want your kids to come along with you and just have a nice summer break, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, just do the movie, right? And that's yeah. it's like, that's how he marketed it to Lee Marvin. I'm sure that's how he marketed it to John Wayne and everybody. Like, hey, we're, pretty much everybody, yeah. We're, we're going <laughs> to hang out. It's, um, we're going to have a great time. We're going to be in Hawaii. Like, we're going to be drinking and, and partying every night, whatever. <laughs> it I mean, was a I, vacation yeah. for them. Yeah, it's a vacation. vacation for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I would, I would do the exact same thing. You sell a, fil a film like that to me. Hey, you want to be in it? Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and he really did. So, like his nineteen uh, Ford's nineteen thirty seven film, The Hurricane, uh, was a South Seas film, and this was kind of like probably like his his goodbye to that. And I mean, he was a he was in the Navy in World War Two. Um, he had his boat was in the film, The Aramer. Um, his personal sail personal sailboat was in that scene when um, when Amelia Dedham shows up, uh, who's played by Elizabeth Allen. Uh, she shows up. That's in the scene. It's kind of it's really like he, obviously he took the boat there during filming to like kind of probably lived on it or something, right? So that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was definitely just like, hey, let's all go to Hawaii. 
let's hang out, let's have a good time, let's make it. I mean, I don't think Ford said that uh, per se. Like he was definitely still grumpy. I think you know you know how he was, but <laughs> it, it was always it, pretty. It was it was kind of person. It was the swan song to his relationship with Wayne in in movies. And it was his swan song to one of the things he liked. And that's like just the naval aspect of his life, uh, being on uh-huh. boats and being in the Navy. I, I mean, I, how how much better could it get? Like he's going out with John Wayne on this on this movie that's not too serious. You probably had a pretty good time relative to all the other movies you're shooting because you're in a great yeah. <laughs> you're in a great location. Um, I mean, it's just. Once that first frame opens and you just see the island, it's like I'm happy, man. The entire movie, I'm, too, I'm just man. laughing. Like you said, you're you're smiling the entire time. Yeah, I'm exactly. la- I'm laughing yeah. at it's all. Crazy. Yeah, I'm laughing it's at breezy. all the jokes and and yeah, that's exactly what I wrote too. It's breezy, right? <laughs> and it, it, it like the dialogue in this movie is so damn quotable. It's crazy <laughs> how much how much I just love it. I, I mean, I'm I I can't recommend this movie enough to people. It's it's seriously one of the most fun films I've seen recently, and it's something I would love to watch again soon, possibly. I, you know, in the New York Times, John Ford is quoted as saying that Donovan's Reef was quote a spoof picture, a whammy, crazy sort of thing. We're not going for any prizes, end quote. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, that that does describe it, but in a way, it sort of downplays the substance that is still rooted within the picture and maybe maybe Ford didn't really mean for any meaning to come about from the movie but it still shows and it doesn't really take away from what anyone is used to from seeing in previous movies because the way the, the way I, I look at John Ford's movies and I guess okay maybe I'm very redundant when I bring this certain name up but Frank Capra Frank Capra is known for those uh, expressions of American idealism and rugged individualism, basically standing up or an admiration for, you know, for the rough hewn individual kind of overcoming, not kind of seriously overcoming odds. And, but when you look at John Ford there, I think he takes that into account. But the idea that I associate with his movies is challenge. And I think uh, with Ford, really, that's what you get out of films like, say, the aforementioned Searchers or Ford Apache, and say even The Quiet Man. There is always a form of challenge to the viewer as to what you're seeing here and what kind of what, what kind of themes you're trying to absorb from this from the story. However, you know, when it comes to Donovan's Reef, it really it really clotheslines you because it's such. As opposed to those movies, it it it's so lighthearted, and that light that lightheartedness sort of overshadows the thematic uh, the thematic elements of the film, but still doesn't take away from it, and you still gain either either way, and it's I don't know it's it's pretty magical if you ask me. I think it's a sweet reverie with yeah. what you're with what you're saying about it being so lighthearted you have this comedic aspect going on mm-hmm. and it pop, it pops up all throughout the picture. But on the flip side of that, you have some, what I have here written in my notes is just some really poetic moments where mm-hmm. you have, where you, you're not having the comedy. It's, 
it's the it's the drop the melodrama the surly melodrama in between the the light-hearted breezy moments that we're talking about and john ford's expertise i think is showing is shown through how he balances the two out if you if you mm-hmm. go to the very beginning of the movie he he tells you what you're in for in that first scene with lee marvin because lee marvin's just on yeah. a ship and he straight up punches a dude in the face knocks the guy <laughs> out the guy hits the back of the ship falls down on his face lee, Mar- lee marvin does, does the salute he looks up at the captain's uh quarters and he says permission to leave the ship and then he just jumps off and yeah. Right, right man there. Alabad. In the, man of in, in, in the two minute scene, Ford has set the tone of the movie. You know exactly what you're in for. It's just supposed to be like a rollicking, sort of yeah. a rollicking good time. And that that particular scene doesn't set the tone for any of the poetic moments I'm talking about, which would probably pertain more to what both you and Ben have mentioned uh, regarding Elizabeth Allen's character and yeah. Her, her relationship with her father, as yeah. well as this other side character we haven't mentioned yet, played by Marcel Dalio as the as the priest. Yes, yes. So, so I love that character. Father Father Clouseau. Uh, father Clouseau. Father yeah, I love that. Clouseau. I love it. Yeah, he's probably my favorite character actually. So yeah, there there's there's these two other. There's the main subplot with the with the relationship of the father and the daughter, and then that other subplot with the priest, if you want to call it a subplot. Mm-hmm. And those two moments, I think have the strongest opposition as far as the feel and the tone to all of the comedic moments that are happening with John Wayne's character, Lee, Lee Marvin's character in particular and everything else happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, see, like I, I don't, I don't even know how to like <laughs> how to add to that because that is, uh, it, it, it's just, it's beautiful. Like it's just, it's just like you find beautiful moments uh, throughout the film, besides its lightheartedness. But you find very, you find moments that carry so much depth. And so, would you, would you agree that you would describe it as poetic too, right? Yeah, poetic. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's almost it's I mean, al- it's almost fantastical, and just how like everything falls together so perfectly. And I mean, nothing really, nothing really bad happens in this movie, right? I mean, the bad stuff has already happened. Really. But it, the, all the bad stuff has happened before the movie. Um, the yes, that's the pr- a great point. The princess, like, uh, they're all World War II veterans. They came to this when they were in the Navy. They came to this island and were fighting the Japs. And John Wayne gives a little background story at one point in the movie when they're actually, it's a, this is a Christmas movie too. So just say, I was gonna say that same exact thing. <laughs> so they're, cut, they're, cut, they're, cut, they're, cut, they're cutting down the one, the one pine tree in the entire Island. Yeah. And he, there's a memorial to the people who died in world war two. And you get the whole backstory with how Jack Warden's character, doc Denham married the queen of the, or the, yeah, the queen of the Island and had all these kids and she died in childbirth with the twins. There's there's three of them. Mm-hmm. There's there's the older daughter and then the the girl and the the girl and boy twins, the um Lukey and Sally? Sarah? Uh, Sally, Sa- yes. Sally. She Sarah, but she goes by Sally, yeah. she says in the But phone. I go yeah. by Sally. <laughs> I go by Sally. She's like, My name what she I forget what she says. She, I think she said my middle name's Sarah uh Amelia 
I don't know, whatever. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's some... Yeah. She's These little kids are the siblings of Amelia Dedham, and mm-hmm. there's this whole dynamic back and forth of, of oh, it's a secret. We're going to keep the secret from her. She's trying to steal dad's... You know, the, well, the kids don't know this, but um, John Wayne's character and Lee Marvin and Cesar Romero and his... And uh, John Fong, uh, Mr. Yu, they all scheme and they're like, all right, we're going to pretend that the kids are John Wayne's kids and we're going to scheme and hopefully Doc Adam doesn't get in trouble and he keeps his money. But the entire time, there's not really any stakes. You don't feel like tension. Like the only tension is, oh, she's coming from Boston and she wants to get her share of the, of the, of the company. So she, I guess she has the controlling shares or there's this whole family history that's kind of Ford almost frames it as unimportant because you don't get the details. It's like, who, it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. So yeah, you don't really get the details, but you get the idea that she's kind of seeking the destruction of her own father because she feels abandoned by him. And she, she, she it seems like she wants to believe that he is of an immoral, uh, of, immor- of immoral status because he left her and he, abandoned. he left. Yeah. He yeah, abandoned he aban- her. He abandoned her. Yeah. But there, but there is, but there is a story to that, and she can still understand that story. Context. What? Yeah. The, the so context. basically, yeah. Basically, uh, okay. So Doctor Dedham was married uh, by the time he was fighting in World War II, and his wife back in back in America was pregnant with Amelia, and they had they had kept correspondence uh, from time to time while he was overseas fighting the Japanese. It got to a point wherein the correspondence stopped, and he felt he was heartbroken by that. And, you know, in the midst of his heartbrokenness, he was also fighting life and uh, fighting for his, you know, life and limb against, you know, against the Japanese w- alongside his buddies, played by John Wayne, and uh, who, who played uh, Dedham again? Well, Jack, <laughs> Jack, no, no, no. Uh, Jack, Jack Warden and yeah, Lee he, Marvin. And, and Lee Marvin, yeah, he was fighting alongside uh, them. And so it was either, okay, well, you know, I've got this to focus on right now. It's either I basically, you know, stay downtrodden and think about this, or I just move on with my life and continue. It got, And then, so then they become marooned on the island, and, you know, by, like, God's grace, they are saved, but they are helped and assisted by the the inhabitants of that island and so the uh jack warden realizes hey you know these people need a doctor so i'm gonna stay and help them out and as he does so he moves on and marries as you said ben the princess of the island and she gives birth to three kids of his so you know he's already moved on with his life he's sort of put that put that life that he left behind on you know in america behind him because you know what's there to do his wife stopped talking to him, and I think he didn't even know that Amelia existed at the time, right? If that was even... Uh... I think that's correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah, so he had no idea. He just had no idea. It's not, it's not that he deliberately abandoned his daughter back in America, but he just had no idea in the midst of the hellish war that he was trying to get through. And so it gets to a point years and years later that Amelia, you know, she continues believing in this false idea that her father deliberately abandoned her and her mother when the truth is that he just had no idea. And 
but the beautiful thing about that is before she even finds out the truth as to why her father left, when she sees her father, you would think that she would go on yelling at him, berating him, and lecturing him that you abandoned my family, you have, you are just the most immoral person. Uh, you know, I would never have you as a father. I, I can't even call you my father. But, but she you would think right? that, no, but she she doesn't. No, the moment that she sees him, her heart, basically, she she just puts herself, or not, well, puts herself, but she finds herself in a very emotional state as, oh my god, that's my that's my dad. And you literally of, see melt on screen. She like, exactly. Yeah, that's just the way I can describe it. She just exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? It's like yes, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's really you. You see it in Elizabeth Allen's like blue, striking blue eyes. You're like, oh no, she's not gonna. She's not gonna do what she thought that she was gonna do. She's going to run and hug the father that she never knew and wants to know now. And it's like, wow, that was great. Even before, even before learning about the truth of the whole story, she she just rescinds all that and goes straight to her father and hugs him right there on the island. And it's a, it's a very beautiful story. And from there, again, the movie still keeps that lighthearted tone. She begins to learn more about it and she learns how humble her own father is. And she grows in accepting the fact that he is a good man, not who she thought he would be. Not only that, but she grows to learn that the people of the island, including John Wayne's character, are of an upstanding moral character. And it's a very, very, uh, it's a very smooth way of telling that story uh, from John Ford. Yes, they're not all just drunk derelicts hanging out. Exactly. In seclusion. They are people, they are people who have moral standards and they are people. So they have a very loyal people too. very loyal people. And it's going back to what you mentioned before, Kevin, about bringing up the race thing again. It's you have all these communities coming together in a blender and it's just thrown together in a good way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, into right. this paradise and utopia that they have. And Elizabeth Allen's character is digging. She's literally digging through the past of what she doesn't know in the search for her father. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then it just, it, it just becomes more beautiful by the second. And then she eventually learns that the three kids uh, with whom she's getting to know happen to be her siblings. And <laughs> just, yes. I don't know, like, again, like what I said before with me having a, like just a huge smile on my face from beginning to end, when it gets to that point, and then it just, man, like I... I don't know. It's such a lovable movie. It is probably one of John Ford's most lovable films. And, you know, the interesting thing about one, even like we've been saying this is John Ford's film, but Ben, I think you, you, you know, this too. Uh, John Ford was not in the best of health during the making of this film. And I read that because of that, it got to a point wherein John Wayne himself had to direct the majority, I'm not even sure if that's true, but he, I, I read that he had to direct a majority of this film because John Ford just was not up to it. Yeah, I mean, Ford's, yeah. Ford's health was in serious decline. Yeah. Um, and you're right, John, John Wayne did, 
I know the second unit stuff he definitely directed. Um, I'm not sure the, the you know the percentage portion of what he did for the you know the main photography, but uh, I mean Wayne directed the Alamo, and even John Ford yeah. is kind of credited with directing a little bit of that, which he didn't. He that was he was he was attached to that film for almost promotional purposes. But um, uh, so so Wayne Wayne had his he had his experience, so he definitely I mean, he had decades of experience um mm-hmm. with watching d- great directors like you know john ford henry hathaway you know just Howard hawks yeah. yeah hawks um so yeah he did direct this film to a degree and well, he the trivia if i can interrupt for a second the trivia says on imdb that john wayne was like an assistant director who was always setting up equipment and checking the dailies each day yeah i mean essentially he was doing more work than ford yeah. To be in the film to be in the that's film. That's what it sounds like. To be yeah. in to be in the film and work from six AM till the end of the day and then check the dailies. I mean, that's more Ford wasn't doing that, I'm sure. I mean he was almost seventy at the at that I think he was sixty eight. Sixty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So and he was he was just in bad health from I mean, the guy smoked and drank a lot his entire life, so yeah, it does a number on you, especially back in those days when modern medicine didn't really exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the dude didn't even have. Yeah, I think he lost that that one eye was going bad. So how do you direct when you can't even really see? Oh yeah, he wore an eye. He wore an eye patch uh, towards the end of his life, didn't he? John Ford. Yeah, I, I thought I remember seeing pictures of that. But yeah, he looked like an old pirate, just <laughs> with a pipe in his mouth too. Um, but yeah, like it, it is interesting because. To add to that fact, John Wayne said himself, I believe, that he wasn't very, or he 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 found it he found the film awkward. I think that was only mainly because of his female lead with Elizabeth Allen, and I read that was probably on IMDb. You can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but he did say that he found it very awkward to have a leading lady who was much much younger than he was and i think he begged john ford please just cast maureen o'hara in this film that's <laughs> and, correct is that correct yeah and then i think john yes. ford said you want okay we can cast her but you're but you're gonna have to say that we cast her because she's old <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so i think yeah so then i think like okay fine like i'm just gonna go with elizabeth allen and after this film i'm not making any other movies with significantly younger women <laughs> I, but um yeah i mean he, he, exactly he, he, he basically pulled yeah. he pulled the cary grant uh yeah charade audrey thing. hepburn yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly oh another but, callback you know, honest, another callback yeah exactly but uh honestly with what wayne said i don't think that he doesn't you know there, there's nothing to be embarrassed about with this movie honestly this is seriously just one of yeah, it's honestly one of the, uh, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself over and over again, but this is honestly one of the most fun films I have seen, I've seen in, in quite a while. And uh, honestly, one of John, one of the best uh, collaborations, I'd say, I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of people would even say the same thing because it doesn't seem like a lot of people deem this a classic when I think it really is a classic. It is honestly one of the most fun collaborations between John Ford and John Wayne. And as you said, then, yes, a swan a swan song between the two. And I guess a fitting one, a, a quite fitting swan song between the two. It's definitely but sadly, you know, it's definitely easier to watch than any of the other films they made together. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just not yeah. 
it's just like I said, I, I think the best way to describe it is is comfort food. Like it's it you just feel food. you feel good the entire time. There's nothing I mean, it's all good stuff, like you said, like the theme stuff, the the thematic elements you went into. Um it's all good stuff. There's not really any really trying things. It's all it's all based upon like decency and humanity and stuff like that like everyone's just supposed to be a good person and maybe there's some misunderstandings or just stereotypes that you assume but uh, mm-hmm. after you get to know somebody you figure out that they're you know they're probably just a, a decent person uh, at least e- so exactly yeah the, the film like definitely comfort food but it's also it really taps into you know feeling and the, the beginning again as i said about uh, that um, that that great Hawaiian song, Pearly Shells. It's just it's such a feel good film, even through the little sad moments, even through moments of expectation. When you think something is go- something is going to ha- bad is going to happen, say for example, what what I mentioned with uh, with uh, Elizabeth Allen's first encounter with her father. It's such, even through those moments, it is such a feel-good and quite uplifting film. And apart from, you know, there is some dense uh, uh, motifs in in the film, not as dense as Ford's usual output, but it still strikes home the emotive feeling of what a movie is. And I I mean, if, if I can just quote something that Clint Eastwood said, um, and he, he, Clint Eastwood said this, uh, when he, well, when he was promoting his recent Cry Macho. And he said, you know, film is not an, an intellectual medium. It is an emotional medium. And so you got to feel, you, you got to feel, uh, oh, shoot, hang on, I have it right here. You got to feel what the characters are, how they all interact, and, and then you just go with it. Like, there's no rules in the world of movies. The only magic is a lot of work and a lot of good luck. And I think... You can say that about all movies. You can say that all movies embody this sort of idea. But I think Donovan's Reef is a pretty good embodiment of that sentiment. Because really, it's all about how you feel. And I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I think, I think John Ford's experience, specifically with comedy, and specifically with how he captured... I, I know we only mentioned brawling a few times but mm-hmm. the way that he captures those scenes he had experience if you recall doing that with just six or seven years earlier in the searchers mm-hmm. very much more serious film another john wayne john ford collaboration that you already mentioned and yes. there's that massive fist fight in the middle of the movie between martin Pauly and charlie mccory played by jeffrey hunter and ken curtis because they're fighting over the girl right (laughs) and i i know that because i've read reviews it's a part of the movie that other than other complaints that other that people might have they feel that this scene in particular is tonally different from the rest of the film but john ford as he showed with the searchers and with that scene and what he showed here with donovan's reef I think he's really quite in control and masterful of how he how he shoots all of these scenes and how all of it comes together for that lighthearted feel that you're 
that you're describing, Kevin. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, that's a good. That's definitely a good way to, uh, to explain it. Yeah, there is a meaning to it. It's not just there because you know, just be, just to be there. There is a meaning to it. Yeah, I and, mean, it it adds a frenetic energy to it. It's mm-hmm. it is chaotic, but also at the end of the day, these characters in Donovan's Reef have have their own little paradise too. Yeah, and exactly. It cohesively comes together with their different friendships and bonds that they make that we watch during this little hangout session. Yeah. And also if I can add uh, to that idea about, you know, the fisticuffs scene, which you find it's a very, it's a, it's a nice staple of John Ford movies, but overall, when you look at old movies, I think there's something that I'm sure you guys have also noticed too, but there there are moments where you see characters sting. So for example, in Donovan's Reef, you see all the characters gather in church for Holy Mass, for a Holy Christmas Mass, and they sing O Holy Night. And I think people might perceive this, uh, that scene as, okay, you know what, okay, it's a nice scene, but is there any meaning to it? I think there is meaning to it. And I have to go back. There definitely is meaning. yeah, there's meaning to it. So it, it's 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 a staple of not only you know a film like this, but it's a staple of old movies, I think. And well, I don't and I don't want to call it a trope, but oh yeah, go on, Chris. It, it's not a trope, but what you're trying to hit on here is what we keep bringing up with Ford's messaging, his trademark messaging that he did throughout his career that focused on a form of brotherhood, yes, anti anti racism. Um, peace, right? Ultimately, yeah. Though just some of those, some of those topics, and in in this movie, there's the French priest, and you have a moment where we're seeing a cemetery, and the tombs are covered with all the different crosses, and you see a you see a the David Star, and yeah, it gives you this idea of community again, mm-hmm. and. The French priest who you and I both love. <laughs> right. <love> He's <laughs> such, such a great character. Um, yeah. yeah, he he sort of brings in this grounded sense of... What's the word I'm looking for? A grounded sense of... Mm, I can't find the word. Like a, You mean as in like a, a sense of groundedness for the whole film? I suppose I'm just trying to say it's a groundedness to the film. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, it's it goes exactly with what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and it, like it, it's it, as, as we said, yeah, definitely like a form of peace. Like you're establishing a form of peace for the film, like a form of respite, if you may. It's like a religious hope. Right? Exactly. And, yeah, and, it's a religious and, hope and, and um, an acceptance of death too in a way because Mm -hmm. because of you know i mean specifically with that scene i'm talking about with with um all the crosses and and the david star at the cemetery Mm -hmm. it's a conglomeration of all of those things exactly exactly and also i just want to supplement or add to uh you know the the oh holy night scene during uh during the celebration of christmas mass I want to like mention two other movies that utilize singing scenes as forms of respite. And so, for example, Frank Capra's early 1936 movie, 
Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, there is a scene wherein Gary Cooper's Mr. Deeds and Gene Arthur's character, they are sitting t- alone together on a bench out in the park, and they sing Swanee River together. And again, like I said, people might just see that, that might just perceive that scene as, okay, this is it's a nice scene, but what's there to it? No, there's a lot to it. Because before that scene, Cooper's Longfellow Deeds realizes the dishonesty of reporters and just the dishonesty of mankind. And so when it gets to that scene, Jean Arthur, who plays a reporter herself seeking to defame Deeds, they start singing Swanee River, and she realizes how much of an honest and upstanding person he is. And she... You know, she she starts to see that, okay, that there's some good in the world, and she begins to fall in love with him. It's a form of respite from the heavy thematic haymakers thrown at you in the beginning. Now, in another film that we talked about, throwback to Remember the Night with Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray, the scene in which Barbara Stanwyck's character meets Fred McMurray's family, Fred McMurray is on the piano, and he sings the exact same song that Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur sing in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, Swanee River. He play, he belts it out on the, on the piano. It's a form of respite. And after that, Barbara Stanwyck sings with, I know you're not a fan of this uh, of this actor, Chris, as you mentioned before on that episode, uh, Sterling Holloway. Sterling Holloway, yeah. Yeah, so both of them, they collaborate on a song called The End of a Perfect Day. And again, a form of respite. And The End of a Perfect Day is a great song to cap it all off because... Before that scene, you see Barbara Stanwyck's Lee Leander encounter her mom after years and years of, you know, just not seeing her and experiencing, you know, her wrath upon her own daughter. And it's a very, again, like I said, it's a very heavy haymaker of a scene, a dramatic scene. But when you get to the singing scene with Fred McMurray singing Swanee River and Barbara and Sterling collaborating on the end of a perfect day it's a form of respite from those scenes because she actually experiences what it's like to have a real family so there's meaning to these singing scenes and it's totally agree it's amazing it's the same thing with oh holy night and the christmas mass here in donovan's reef it's the exact same thing it's a form of respite it's a form of peace it's there's meaning to it it's beautiful there's there's order in the chaos Right. Exactly. That's, exactly. I think I yeah. I think I said this before. There's order in the chaos. So you have these you have these low moments that it's a reverie again. Exactly. A respite, yeah. a reverie. It's it's these moments that just they come in and sort of sweep you off your feet a little bit or mm-hmm. rather not sweep you off your, your feet, but stabilize the emotions that you're building around these characters. Exactly. Yeah. And I I might be wrong again, but maybe people just don't see it that way and i think that they should there's a lot of meaning to them it's not just a lightheartedness it's not just a form of you know being lackadaisical or if you may but i mean you can certainly you said, take yeah, it that way you can, you can take certainly it that way. take yeah. absolutely but there yeah. i think you and i are totally seeing eye to eye on this about how there's how there's meaning behind behind all of these moments exactly yeah and i mm-hmm. love it it's just, it's it's so great. Donovan's Reef is just a great mixture of those kinds of moments and the moments of where you think something not evil but something, you know, anathema to the lightheartedness is going to happen, but it really doesn't. And it's just I don't yeah, yeah it, I don't know how to explain it. You got to feel it. Again, it's an emotional medium film. 
Yeah, and I think I think this is a perfect film to show as an example. Mm-hmm. Because when I was when I was watching this uh, for the first time in however many years, I I've seen a lot more films since the last time I saw this movie. So I I could recognize how influential I think John Ford is. And I'm sure anybody listening is like, yeah, of course, John Ford's influential. He's he's John Ford. You know, he's won four Oscars. He's made all these movies. Yeah. But watching watching Donovan's Reef. I, I think I can literally see the specific moments that have influenced directors like David Lynch and oh, really? and even Wes Anderson. And I, I'm bringing uh, up two really random. I'm bringing up the two sort of random people I'm bringing up, but I see a yeah. lot of David Lynch's um his focus on certain comedic moments uh, influenced. I think I think he's I think he has taken some from from Ford with really? with how if you, I I really do because it's if you look at the that final so brawl. Uh-huh. If you look at the final brawl scene, you have John Wayne's character, you have Lee Marvin, and you have those sailors in the in the in the room. And <laughs> when when everything starts going crazy, you know, one guy hits the the <laughs> the ja- jack what's it called? The jackpot. The jackpot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, yeah, the, the, the guy the, hit the, the jackpot, the, the coins spit the, out. The right? slot. Yeah, the slot machine. The slot yeah. machine, slot. yeah. Thank you, thank you. He gets the jackpot. Man, uh-huh. I, well, <laughs> he, I love it. It's the the priest. Yeah, it's the priest. That's right. It was the priest that hit the yeah. that, that hit the slot that's, machine, and that's yeah. how he that's how, <laughs> that's how he gets his roof finally fixed. I love yes. the look on his face when that happens. It's just like ah, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> like his fortunes all of a sudden changed, and yep. um, just to take that as a really sort of specific example, Lynch actually takes the slot machine comedic joke and uses it in his in the return that he did in 2017 with a specific oh, character. So oh, there was no brawl fight or whatever, mm. but I mean, the the comedic undertones of both of those things ring true to me and I I think there's sort of like a gruff David Lynch has sort of like this gruff edge to some of his comedy and I think that is I think that's exactly how you would describe John Ford's outlook on on comedy oh, as I well would, i would agree with that yeah as well as being outlandish and goofy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and yeah I, I would i would use that as an example and i would also re- reference i was going to mention this before when you were talking about it kevin mm-hmm. but there's also the scene where we're introduced to elizabeth allen's character and mm-hmm. we're in <laughs> we're in this boardroom <laughs> with all of these elderly people <laughs> who are relatives, right? They're supposed to be relatives yeah. of Elizabeth yeah. Allen. And upper they are all stuck up yeah. upper class Bostonians. Wasps. Snooty. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Wasps. Snooty. <laughs> Their noses are in the air. And you have three guys on one side of the room. You have three women on the other side of the room that they all look like they're going to keel over any minute. And yeah. <laughs> great character actor from. Petticoat Junction, I, is that what it's? Edgar Buchanan. Thank you, Edgar B- Buchanan. He's doing his thing and talking about the will. I love that. I love that guy. And he's played, <laughs> yeah. he's in so many fucking westerns. It's insane. He was in the TV, he was in that he was in the TV show. It was what I knew him from. 
Beverly, I think Beverly, it's called Petty, Petty. Well, he's in that. He's in Beverly Hillbillies and he's Petticoat in a, Junction oh, is the Hill. other one. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yes, and and he's in Green anyway, Acres. Yeah. And Green Acres, yes. yes <laughs> and he's doing his thing, reading the will, and this old lady just straight up does a raspberry, like just straight up whatever spits not he, or whatever. he he he's smoking a cigar yeah. he's smoking a cigar and his ash falls on the table and she's just like <laughs> yeah <it buzzes. laughs> yeah exactly and and i i died laughing at that part but when i saw that oh, part i was like too. i was like this entire scene speaks of david lynch comedy so mm, that's did, so interesting. Did, did you like the the uh, portraits on the wall of all that like different Dedham guys from yes. history? <laughs> yes. They're all act they're all actually portraits of uh Jack Warden just like j- dressed up. <laughs> just differently. I I read it's, I read that. I read that, yeah. That that scene and anyway, that's another example. So like the final brawl in that scene, I I just totally saw very Lynchian. David Lynch, now. very Lynchian. It, it, they come across as Lynchian, but like it's it's still Ford. Like Ford was the guy who yeah it influenced Lynch, right? That's that's the argument I'm making here. Um, Festus. And then while <laughs> and then while hey, I'm, while, gotta, while I'm still on this, add to that really, Chris. Okay, I, I really want you to continue, but but because we're on the the subject of Ford and Lynch, I haven't seen this movie yet. But I mean, I, I don't, don't know. Watch I mean, I it. Have, uh, don't watch it. Yeah, you know what I'm. You know what I'm going to say, right? Fuck ben? that guy. Uh, wait, wait, wait. What do you What do you think I'm going to say? Spielberg. Fuck <laughs> him. I, I was going to talk about I was I, oh shit. I was going to talk about Fablemans. Spiel, Spiel, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know if I will. But we've seen we've seen the scene with Lynch. Okay, being, I, I, I haven't seen dope. it, but I I heard that Lynch plays Ford. Yes, in so like a, oh in a two minute yeah. scene. Yeah, that's and so Lynch, interesting. Lynch kills it, but that's so that speaks more to my point. Like Lynch is clearly <laughs> Lynch is clearly influenced by John Ford, by and John Ford. I think amazing. you don't amazing. if you if you need convincing and if you need to see examples of exactly yeah. what I mean, you need to watch Donovan's Donovan's Reef. Like I'm, I'm talking to the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. there. It's this sort of breezy. You know, there's a lot of tonal shifts, but it works. And it it's exactly something I just kept making connections to Twin Peaks and other Lynchian movies. Mm-hmm. Um and then my second my second thing <laughs> yeah. that I caught was how I see similarities with some of Wes Anderson's work. So I, I think Wes Anderson's influenced by John Ford too. And I see a lot of that with how Ford does a few of his uh camera movements. Specifically, in the scene at the end where we finally figure out that Donovan gave away his bar and made it Gil Hooley's uh, reef. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment where the camera shifts and it like moves up and to see the sign, and it kind of comes back down, and you see Gil Hooley playing with his train on the on the front <laughs> on the front steps. I see what you mean. I see what, right? exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's it seems was, very it was, yeah. It was a technical moment that I was like, this is like Wes Anderson totally took this from John Ford's notebook or something. Um, and then speaking of another Lynchian moment, like Gil Hooley with the trains totally, uh, totally he, comes off. He's as, looking, he's looking down the tracks. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> but like totally. just nonchal- nonchalantly like playing with this train. Like a five year old. Like, like little- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I see what you mean, Chris. I see Gil, what you Gil mean. Hooley, That's amazing. Gil Hooley with the train is absolutely the prototype for Benjamin Horn in season two of Twin Peaks. 
So if you haven't seen the show, or if you have seen the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Civil War, Benjamin Horn. I I see it exactly in in Gil Hooley with the train. So I would not be surprised yeah. if this if if this film is a favorite of David Lynch. Um, I don't know if he's on record ever mentioning it or talking about it, but I had to bring it up because <laughs> being a more experienced movie watcher than mm-hmm. I was as a kid, I I picked up these are things that I just picked up on while watching the movie. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Well, viewers yeah. will also be disappointed to know that I. I'm sure a lot of them have seen Twin Peaks all throughout, but I have not yet. Yeah, we, we got to fix and that. I know, I know, <laughs> I know it needs to be fixed sometime soon. But that's amazing that you found those uh, those similarities to Lynch and Anderson. And now that you're saying it, I, I see what you mean. I really do see what you mean. That's amazing. I mean, maybe really I didn't great, explain yeah. it very well or eloquently. No, no, I thought you explained all, it great. No, 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 you you okay. did it well. Yeah, you you, Thanks. you explained yes. it well. And then and then just knowing, like, uh, seeing uh, what they do, the sensibilities in their filmography, you do actually see that now. Especially like I, I mean, I'm more so. Uh, I haven't seen much of Wes Anderson's movies, and I, I've seen his movies, but fr- from that, uh, from from what I've seen, I definitely see what you mean. With Anderson, there's a lot of stagnant nonchalance if that's a good way to say it yes. in humor and drama and i see that with gilhuli and the way ford frames that scene with gilhuli playing with his train and with lynch very interesting that, that is very very interesting lynch I, I i mean i've seen like what elephant man mulholland drive um but i definitely see what you mean yeah there's a sort of quirkiness that's also yeah there. Yes, and I didn't want yeah. to use the word quirky, but yes, that would be. I said it. You said it. That'd be a way I'm to sorry. describe it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, it's like it's like a, I would say like a good juxtaposition of humor and gruffness, and it it works. It's a very good uh, marriage between the two well, sorts of emotions. Well, and for anyone who's listening to our podcast, yeah, I would hope they love movies. So that's why I'm just I wanted yeah. to make that that connection because I'm sure there are fans of David Lynch and uh, Wes Anderson who listen to the show and uh-huh. may not, may now be more intrigued to see Donovan's reef because oh, I hope you do. Oh, Donovan's yes. reef's definitely better. Donovan, Donovan's. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a question of if it's better, but <laughs> there's no question. There's no question. Donovan's, <laughs> Donovan's reef is amazing people. It's a great, well, film, okay. <laughs> and how how brave is it for John Ford and John Wayne to have not and Lee Marvin to have not made a sequel to Donovan's Reef called Gil Hooley's Reef? Gil right? Reef. They set I them wonder, they set themselves yeah. up for a sequel and they didn't do it. They didn't do it. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> More shenanigans <laughs> happening on the island. <laughs> yeah. What else is going to happen we, now that? Yeah, John Wayne and Elizabeth Allen's character, like Patch, Mike Donovan and Amelia. We'll have uh, kids, and kids, and then Gilhuli yeah. and Lafleur will. It's like, oh, I wonder what else. What, what else is going to happen on Gilhuli's Reef now? <laughs> Gilhuli's Reef. Yeah, it's yes. amazing. I would. They would have. They would have said yes if they had. If they did eventually make a sequel. Hey, let's go back to that island and have some more fun. You know. Yeah. If <laughs> they were, if they were ten. If they were ten years younger when they made this one, they totally oh, would have made. Oh, totally, Gilhuli's yeah. Reef. Isn't it just the saddest thing? I mean, it, it's great. It's a, such a great film, but it, it's also kind of bittersweet because really it's John Ford and John Wayne's last collaboration together as 
director and actor. And really, isn't that all because of uh, Ford's failing health? That's that not that generally the reason, the only reason why they never collaborated? I thought Ford made more movies after this one. He did a Ford few. Made, yeah, he did a few. He did a few. He did a few after this I one. I mean, okay. what, John Wayne was a narrator in one of his, his, his last film was a documentary and John Wayne was a narrator. So technically oh, okay. they collaborated, but not really. This is his last on screen film presence. Oh. oh, okay. Okay. I see. But Kevin, but, you're right. I mean, it's exactly what I said about this, how the, how Donovan's refocuses on like an acceptance of death and the respite and the yeah. memory. And it's, it, it is exactly that for John Ford and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's perfect, man. But, yeah. That's great. You guys great. B- both spotted Patrick Wayne, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the uh, sailors, the Australian Navy yeah. sailors, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, I love that in the uh, in the Christmas scene, in the Christmas mass scene, when you know the whole movie, the uh, Father Clouseau, you know, he won't accept people's money for the roof. He's a stubborn guy. He, like he won't. Um, basically, he just chastises everybody the entire time, and then the, during mass. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I think you said Holy Night. What's the song you said, Kevin? I think so. The, yeah, a, a Holy Night. Or is it Silent Night? It's Silent Night. It's but silent regardless, night. It's Alice so I mix the two often. So Lafleur, uh, Miss Lafleur, played by Dorothy Lamore, is starting to sing, and she was a singer in real life. Um, right. She starts to sing Silent Night, and they're all everyone's singing, all the congregation, all the native people. There, everyone's into it. And then it just starts to rain through the the leaky roof. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone opens their umbrellas. Yeah. And, everyone, yeah, and then there's a, everyone's then there's got a shot. Everyone's got an, everyone's got an umbrella except for Cesar Romero, who's yeah. He's actually like the scummiest guy in the entire movie. He's like he this. Is. He's he like really a, is. He's like the quote unquote governor. But like in the first scene, you see him. He's trying to get off the island, and he's describing it in a letter as like this awful place. As he's like eating all this good food, and all these women are serving him and stuff. He's like, it's awful. Yeah. Like whatever. So he, he's the all only these beautiful woman. He's the only one without a, an umbrella. And I just thought that was so like poetic. Like, oh, yep, all the good people, all the all the believers, and you know the good people got it, and this guy doesn't. It's and not just, him, not him. That's yeah. a, it, it's a, it's such a quick shot too. Oh it's yeah, such a quick shot. Yeah, it's amazing. Then, though. It, it's great. <laughs> and there's there's the moment too where Gil Hooley is just getting water flushed in his face. Oh yeah, I love I love how it's like yeah the, the three kings and you got uh, the king of Polynesia who's played by Mike Mazurki Jesus and he plays Sergeant Monk Menkowitz who's like a I think he I think he's a riff off of like a French legionnaire I think maybe is he really. Oh, okay. um, but I guess French Polynesia it makes sense. Um, but he's mm-hmm. he's the he's the king of French Polynesia. Then there's the ki- the emperor of China played by Mister Yu, who's uh, Caesar Romero's flunky. <laughs> and then you got yeah. the, the 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 king of the United States of America. It's Lee Marvin. It's, so it's Lee Marvin. Yeah, oh I, know. I was just laughing right when I saw him do. <laughs> it's honestly just honestly just like the most joyous film. It's like I, I love Donovan Zarif. I love it. Love it. And it's the best part, Cesar Romero, like his reactions, because he's the one reading all like he's uh, the one reading Father yeah. Clouseau's like getting all emotional, like, oh, this is great. Everyone's here in the yeah. I, I can't read it. I'm gonna cry. So he gives like the yeah. piece of paper. He's like, You read it. And he's reading yeah, you, off. You, you, you. And he's just like he's like dumbfounded. <laughs> Each time he see he looks up and just sees these people walking in, he, he's like And then from the east came three wise men. 
three kings bearing gifts to gaze upon the child and to kneel before him in adoration. The king of... Polynesia. China. The king of the king of the United States of America. It's amazing, yeah. I know I was laughing like immediately going back to what he said, Ben, about Father Clues. So just like emotional. He he can't even read scripture. He just lets the scummiest person in the room read it. He's like, Yeah, you read it. You read it. <laughs> you read it. You read it. You read you read the gospel for me. I can't. I got I can't I can't do it. Yeah. I can't and do he's it. like speaking <laughs> like just like going off on diatribes in French. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so oh, so funny. that last bar fight when um the three Australian officers, or I think they're officers, come in and they're like, they go in, they start a fight with um, with uh, Lee Marvin's character, Gil Hooley, Boats, Gil Hooley, and they, they, you know, they're fighting, they're they're about to fight. They, John Wayne comes in, he's like, you guys are gonna let this, you know, you're gonna fight one on three on one. That's not fair. And so the, the one guy calls his brother in. That's right. Come on, let's have some beer. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda, you'll come a waltzing Matilda with me. And he sang as he watched, and he waited till his pretty boy. Come a waltzing Matilda with me. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda, you'll come a waltzing Matilda with me. All right, the joint's closed. Why don't you line me shove off? Line it? I distinctly heard him say that. Line it. Line he said. I beg your pardon, sir. Did I understand you to say line I heard him. Me too. Gil Holy, where the hell is my suit? Stay out of this, little man. You might get hurt. You guys, uh... For trouble? Tipperary born and bred oh, lameys. Monk, you're not gonna let three guys gang up on one guy, even if it is Gil Hooley. I seen it done. Three against two. Me? <laughs> it's the holidays. Christmas. Have a drink. I will. On the house. Look, we're noble allies. Coral Seas, we were with you. He's got a point. Yeah, hey, definite point. Ah, uh, my apologies to you, sir, and a, and a Merry Christmas. Yes, and a Happy New Year to us all. Festus! My little brother. Festus, we're having a sporting event. Turn your hat around. You are now a Yank. 
Three against three. <laughs> so that's Chuck Roberson, who we brought up uh-huh. in Big Country, who was the stunt double for Gregory Peck. He's he's oh, John. Oh, that's him. He's he's John Wayne's stunt double, and he's in like I've seen like forty movies with him in it, which is crazy. But yeah, that's he amazing. he's in like oh, so much stuff. But that <laughs> scene, that bar fight, is great. Like about to throw the bottle, not the brandy, you dope. I mean, it's just so yeah, quote, I love that. I'm so bring quote, that up too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like the whole time they're like not the whole time those scenes they're all drinking beer they're like all drinking out of those like british pints which are like they're not really pints they're like i guess half liter beers and they just keep getting new ones out like one after the other you're like obviously these guys would be freaking wasted um, oh yeah well lee marvin was wasted pretty much every day on set i think he'd come to he'd come oh, to yeah. set hung over right Isn't i mean that what they said <laughs> he died yeah he died yeah. he died really young really young but when you look at him yeah. in, the, in the 80s he looked like he was 80 years old seriously you know he was only like what 50 60 i don't know Six, i, don't I think he was like 65 to 70 like less than 70 but early, uh, older than 60 yeah you look at these people who were in their 30s back in the old age of hollywood and they look way way older than their age it's like man all those cig- all those cigarettes <laughs> and whiskey man all those cigarettes exactly yeah i mean like the same thing william holden i think i mentioned him before i mean he wanted i think he he wanted to look old, and he looked way older than his age, even like, in his twenties. Now, like, oh, now, nah, Bill, you didn't look old. You look like shit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I just no. Everyone's getting wasted. <laughs> I just you can go through the entire movie, and like almost every single scene, if you just separate it and just watch, you know, the beginning, the first frame to the last frame of each scene. Like I, I'm just, I love it. You guys you can't hate this movie. No, you you guys brought up. I, I don't know if it was, I forget if it was Kevin or, or Chris, but you kept bringing up peace and yeah. it's kind of funny. Like the dynamic between um, Amelia Dedham played by Elizabeth Allen and uh, Michael Patrick Donovan uh, or guns mm-hmm. played by John Wayne. Like there, there's this whole, like they're very standoffish in the beginning. They, they're both uh, making assumptions about each other, like the worst possible assumptions. Um, you know, he's a, he's a buffoon. She's stuck up, whatever. And every time they every time they they correct each other or or they correct each other's opinions of each other, they they like make up and they say "pax," which means peace in Latin, yeah, obviously. So exactly. I, I just think it's, uh, yeah, what you what you guys said about the movie kind of on a juvenile level of watching this movie as a kid and then now watching it as an adult, you're like kind of putting it all together and making it even. You're making it even more important to me than I thought it would be. Um, uh, <laughs> no, it's really, I mean, it's really just a feel-good movie. Like you said, uh, yeah. it's a uh, cinema. Kevin, you said you quoted Clint Eastwood, who's, you know, obvi- yeah. legend. Love him. Yes. Um, but you quoted <laughs> him and said cinema is about, you know, movies. Filmmaking is about, you know, the emotional part of, uh, exactly you know, human sensibility. And, I mean, I think this movie's just got it all. In my opinion, exactly, uh, I, exactly. It's a great embodiment of that quote of film not being an intellectual medium, although it can be, but it's an emotional medium. You know, the and I said it before. You know, there are there are there are times when it's hard to explain something, but you see it visually, and then it can be explained to you right then and there. So you know, it it, it it's a great it, it's such a great a film is a great expression of what can be hard to explain verbally. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. 
Yeah. And Donovan's Reef is a great embodiment of that. It's just great. It's, it's a feel-good, lighthearted film with a lot of meaning. What did you guys... Uh, I'm, I'm switching gears. What did you guys think of yeah. like the, the water skiing scene? Um, <laughs> but, but right before that, right before they water ski, and so John Wayne's taking out Elizabeth Allen to water ski. But before that, um, she has to go find a bathing suit because she can't. Obviously, you can't water ski in your in your normal clothes. Exactly. And right. she and she goes to the shop, and there's a bunch of Chinese immigrants, and they keep <laughs> they keep just like harping on her to buy anything, and yeah. they're they're very you know they're yeah, kind very of, pretty, very pretty. They're yeah, they're horny bastards. I mean, they I know <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. In the, in the, <laughs> This is definitely John Ford comedy, but in the beginning of the movie, the same guy, she's, 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 she, her entrance to the island is she gets pulled, John Wayne pulls her into the water and they go to shore, they get in the car, he's taking her where she needs to go. And that same Chinese guy, so they're parked on the street, John Wayne walks, walks into his bar and he's like, oh, very pretty. He's like, oh, show some leg. Oh, very nice. You know, very nice. Takes a picture <laughs> of her legs and. So she's, yep, she's, yep. she's going back to get a bathing suit and clearly um, Mr. Yu is helping her. Uh, Cesar Romero, uh, Marquis Andre de Lage, his flunky or his assistant, John Fong, um, who plays Mr. Yu, is helping her. And he's this like sophisticated Chinese guy, right? Yeah. And, and he just keeps, he's, 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 he's better than all the, the other Chinese guys because he's sophisticated. He knows different languages. Etc. Etc. So he goes there and they, they try to sell her this bikini. Very proper. Very pretty. And pants. Yeah. <laughs> Looking glad? Thank you. Thank you, but um, I don't think this is quite a baby. Right up your alley. You know, I believe you're right. And then you get, and then you get the water skiing scene. John Wayne throws her off, uh, or not throws her <laughs> off. He he takes her off a jump and and just jostles her and throws her in the water. She comes back on. They're about to race to shore, and she strips out of all that shit and like she shows yeah. off. She's showing off her whole body, and that's such a John Wayne moment. Like he's, he's John he's, Wayne's he's, reaction is, is I love his reaction. His reaction was my reaction when she does that. Cause I'm like, okay, this is unbelievable because she's doing, she's wearing all those clothes and it's like, okay, at some point she's going to reveal that she's got a real bathing suit on underneath all of that. Yet, even though I knew that and, and I see that scene and then I, my face basically mirrored John Wayne's reaction right there. Like, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> he like, he does the double look, the triple look, and then his eyes just get super wide. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so, it's so great. And he's trying to smoke a cigarette at the same time. He, yeah. can't, he yeah. can't even finish the cigarette. He Ma just ends up throwing it off the boat. Match? <laughs> Sorry, I don't have one. Um, I love it. I love speak so speaking of um, John Wayne's facial reaction, in the first scene, or the, well, I guess the second scene, after he 
gets off the boat. He's talking to Cesar Romero, and then Gil Hooley, they make they sound the horn that he's coming in, and he he gives that look like that Ethan Edwards the searchers look like his 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 forehead oh, sc- yeah. scrunches up, his eyebrows scrunch down, and he's like he's ready to frick he's ready to for blood, man. I I just <laughs> that's de- that was definitely I, to me that felt like a callback to uh to Ethan Ethan Edwards. Um, Ethan Edwards, yeah, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's the all. There's a way in which the, the camera slowly zooms in on Wayne in that scene. And then it, it, it's such a great shot. Honestly, it's such a great shot. It's such a great, um, it's kind of a great dynamic because you see him all serious. And again, yeah, kind of like a throwback to Ethan Edwards, like that sort of look. And then by his side is Cesar Romero just smiling like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I, I feel like, was this before or after Batman? Because I feel like that was a callback to the Joker smile. But I th- uh, no no, this is before Batman. More. Batman okay, was well, yeah, that maybe that that's just that's just Caesar Romero's face because that is like just, it looked like Jack <laughs> Nicholson's smile in Batman from 1988 or 1989, uh, or whatever. 89. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he sees him and he and he he runs up and gets that eyeglass and he throws down those fishing spears. I mean, it's just it really. <laughs> it felt like the searchers again for a second. Um, but with, with mean, yeah. the scar dynamic, he just, it's just that rivalry, right? Like he's got to, yeah. got to fight them. And that first brawl, I love it. They, uh, absolutely. I can't say, I say, I can't say enough good things about this film. Honestly, this is, you guys got to watch it. Those of you listening, you really got to watch Donovan's reef. We searched, I mean, we searched and we found, <laughs> And it's only, I think, what, DVD is only about six bucks on Amazon. So if y'all are game, I mean, that's probably the best way that you can get it if you want to own physical media. And yeah, if you're if you're looking, if you're looking to watch something and just have an ease, a peace of mind and just in a way, watch something mindless, but something that's also going to get you through a few go through a few emotions. This is totally the film it's a hangout film like we already mentioned it's john ford's version of a hangout film so it's it's going to be perfect for any of those occasions where you just need to sit back and relax Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. if if you like if you like john wayne you're in if you like lee marvin drunken shenanigans you're in i mean if you like beautiful if you like hawaii if you like hawaii yeah this if you're if you love beautiful women like elizabeth allen then you know, no, no Barbara Stanwyck though. No, no Barbara Stanwyck this time, people. Not, not this time. Not this time. Still mentioned. Don't worry. It's still mentioned. We're gonna find Kevin. every single output to work in Barbara Stanwyck's name in any of these episodes in which I'm. I know you haven't um, listened to the last episode yet because you already told me that, but we mentioned yeah. her in that one too. Ah <laughs> oh, shit! I'm gonna get. <laughs> Okay. You know, speaking okay. speaking of all of these brawls and all of this yeah. drinking that's going on, Ben, you know this this would be another appropriate time to mention Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> You're right, no, I'm saying. Oh, you could, you... <laughs> another show oh, that I have to see in full. Oh, <laughs> another show. Yeah. Well, you have to you have to at least watch the first. I would first say show. you don't have to go. You don't have to go past season five or six. Oh, um, really? I know bubbles. Yeah, I know bubbles is, makes me. I remember we, I had a roommate back. Yeah, I, I had a roommate back in the day, and I, every time we, you know, I'd come home from a trip, and then he'd be playing Trailer Park Boys on Netflix, and then I hear bubbles going, 
did you guys see something? I don't know what he would say, but his voice just made me laugh every he's single time. He's always talking about he's he's always talking about his kitties. Yeah. His kitties <laughs> and repairing shopping carts. Liquor yes. and horse, liquor and horse. Yes, and he would sing. <laughs> he also sings. He sings and plays the guitar and like oh and, and I think either in a movie or an episode they have Rush the band. Not Rush the yes. movie. Not the movie. No, Rush. Not the movie Rush. They're playing another callback. Yes. Yeah, another callback. Uh, like AIDS. All right, Chris. In 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 a in, in a drinking match, who will win? <laughs> Ricky, Julian, or Lee Marvin's Gil Hooley? Oh man. That that's tough. That's tough. I I think it's gotta be between Julian or Gil Hooley. I think Ricky I think Ricky can go pretty far, but I think he's gonna get Who can admit they ate eight, nine cans of ravioli? Ravioli. <laughs> Uh huh. Oh gosh, yeah. I wish I could know the references that you guys are talking. Oh, about. Oh, dude, this Taylor Park Boys, but yeah. so it's the way she goes, bub. It's the way she I, goes. I, I, <laughs> the way of the I road. Oh boy. <laughs> the way the the way of the skies for you, Kevin. The way of the sky. Yeah. God, damn it. <laughs> well, anything? Oh, anything yes. else? Anything else on uh, Donovan's Reef? Well, Ben, so we, we just bring up all these references now, so that way you can throw in some really sick sound bites. Why do you got to spoil exactly. it for the listeners, man? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a sound bite for that, too, I believe. What? Yes. Well, a sound bite for what? No, just like when Chris says, like, and you've got a sound bite for that one, too. So I'm, I'm assuming that you probably put a sound bite for that moment, too. <laughs> probably. Something like, a, like a, I don't know, like a light bulb. I don't know, whatever. Whatever. All right, but all right, well, guys. So What's you guys, your rating? Yeah, I was gonna say ratings. If if you don't have anything else, let's let's rate this mo. You know. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll go first since this, this is my first time seeing this movie. Yes, sir. It was initially okay. So by letterbox rating, initially it was at a four out of five, and just by thinking about it over, over you know, since I saw it last night, and even think, and talking about it with you guys, I think it's gonna go up to a four and a half out of five. So that's like what. Uh, Nine and a half out of ten. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Yeah. So it, it's it's gone up a bit. Yeah. This is great. This Boom. is such a. It's an overlooked film. It's again. I think we talked about overlooked films uh, before, but this I think fits into that mold. It's an overlooked, underrated John Ford and John Wayne collaboration. Oh yeah. Yeah. I follow. <laughs> I I follow quite a few people on Letterboxd. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess not too many, but I follow a decent amount and only 15 people have seen this movie. And Ben, I apologize because I somehow don't have this movie rated on Letterboxd. I totally yeah. should. That's why we, <laughs> so, how so dare I you? By accident. How and dare I totally, you? You yeah. lied to me, Chris. So, you lied to me. Sorry about that. It was still a good thing that we saw this though. Cause it had been yeah. a long time. It's such a great choice. This is such a great choice. And, um, honestly, people need to quit talking about stagecoach. I mean, don't quit talking about the searchers, I don't think. But, you know, like Stagecoach has always, it's been talked about and discussed to death. Talk about, let's, you know, let's talk about Donovan's Reef. Donovan's Reef is an underrated and under-discussed film from... I think if more people watched Donovan's Reef, they would be happier people. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. The world would be a better place. Who doesn't want to (laughs) live, who doesn't want to be in Hawaii for two hours? Come on, man. (laughs) <laughs> makes me want to go back to Chris Hawaii. Would, uh, not, yeah, not Chris. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, you would freaking know. I'm jealous. 
Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, I, uh, last time I went to Hawaii was uh, I worked to uh, Kona, and that was great. A um, friend of mine who is probably going to be listening to this podcast has been getting all these Maui trips. So, you know, get out of here. <laughs> Mis- That's for her. She's just, Mr. Mr. Chris. Yes, sir. What is your rating, sir? I give this bad boy four stars out of five. Okay. I saw your I saw your rating on Letterboxd. Are you gonna raise it up or are you gonna keep it? Eight and so eight you got a nine and a and an eight, huh? Yes. Well, sorry boys, but I'm going full ten out of ten now, you know. Oh, he's gone. Oh, oh. Okay, there we go. This is uh it's made me realize that this movie is an absolute classic. So I was teetering at a nine. Um, I, I I've been rating this movie. I would rate it like, two years ago. Eight out. Of, it would be an eight out of ten. But yeah, now it's it's a it's a ten. Um, so the ser- searchers, the searchers rating is a nine out of ten. I think that might be our highest besides Big Country ever. So wow. I think right. methinks you want to watch this film. Definitely, definitely. Pax. Yes, Mr. Pax. I do. We do have. We do have a little bit of uh, announcements for the listeners. Um, is everybody done mentioning any of their yes, last, I'm all set. Their last yeah, thoughts. I'm all good. Yep. I guess to the big announcement that we talked about in the last episode, we'll end it on this. You can reach us at the Searchers Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I guess we're going to start doing. I guess we can, as of right now, we'll call it a mailbag. Is that is that fair to say, gentlemen? Yeah. Yes. And uh, we'll start reading questions or you know discussion topics or maybe if if the topic warrants its own episode, we can uh, plan it out. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Sir. Email us. Tell us how bad we suck or how much better <laughs> how much how much better we made your drive to work or whatever. We'd right. love to hear it. We want to hear the feedback. We want to know what you guys want to listen to or, you know, listen to us talk about and hear, yeah. just hear from the people. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Feel free to reach out to us. Is there anything else with that announcement? No, that's, that's all I got. That's all you got. All right. <clears throat> well, guys, watch Donovan's Reef as soon as you can. Yeah, please give us a rating if you have the moment to give us a rating on Apple or Google or Spotify. Again, another way for us to get feedback from you fine listeners, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Well, I guess with that, we will say good night and uh, aloha. Thanks for listening to The Searchers Podcast. If you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies, you can find us on Letterboxd. Ben at Giant13, Chris at Ziglet underscore Murr, and me at Kevin Chan. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com. Until next time, people.